to Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everyone. I'm very excited today because, again, for another expanding generations, is it? Sierra? Generation reality, I think. Generation reality. Yeah. There we go. There we go. For another uh, fantastic uh, episode in, uh, in the series, um, what we decided to do this time around was take a look at a couple of the uh, defense intelligence research documents, specifically the laser lightcraft nano satellites ones and also the concepts for extracting energy from the quantum vacuum and what we've decided to do with um with this episode here is i'm going to put up for you folks in the audience on the screen right now a bit of a sifting through of both of those documents so you get a visual brandon's done a little bit of homework to touch up on it and he's going to give his interpretation and what he took away from uh, both of these reports and then i'll jump in and then we'll do the usual back and forth so but before we do that how are you today brother and uh, how every how is everything on your end Man, I'm doing amazing. Thank you for asking. This is so exciting. I'm rocking my uh, shirt that Matt Landman just sent me, uh, Stop Geoengineering. So highly recommend it. Actualactivist.com. Check it out. Thank you, Matt. Um, and man, this is fascinating. I, I'm doing very well. Thank you again for asking. This is so cool. This is awesome. so cool. I can't awesome. wait to get so I will, I will put the nano satellites one up on the screen and you, uh, the floor is yours. Whichever, wherever you'd like to start with, please. Yeah, you know, what's interesting with the nano satellites, especially is something I was gleaning from that is that it's, it seems like our propulsion technology got us to a certain point. And the reason that this is so interesting with the nano satellites and why they're scaling it down, of course, is cost. So now we're talking about the way in which our reality works, where there's cost or, you know, um, fiat currency, that type of energy invested into how we progress as a species. And so it's interesting is with that challenge, they've decided to scale these things down for the simple reason of cost. Well, that's what they say. Uh, so in my mind, though, if you're looking at something to take and solve that sort of issue and scale it down to this, what this what I got excited about when hearing this is whenever you talk about like DARPA's, I believe it's page 50. Uh, it's in the table of contents here. So if you scroll down just a little bit. I wanted to say it was in page 50, um, but it talks about DARPA's uh, wet laser for defense. And whenever you talk about stuff like this and taking plasmas and lasers and shooting small little things up as a means of propulsion, what's interesting to me on this is that we scale it down so we can look at it. But what if this works so efficiently that then we scale it up to a human sized version or something to where we can hop in or then you're sending things that were impossible to get out of low Earth orbit with this technology or this technique, but you scale it up to a larger thing. So it's this, again, as above, so below. So we're taking these huge things, and because of the costs associated with throwing them out into space based on the current understanding of propulsion or the mainstream understanding, uh, then now we scale it down using lasers as the propulsion. And then even in this paper, they document that uh, then it, it requires like grams of propulsion for just you know mild corrections, orbital corrections, the last little stage of achieving orbit. And those are the interesting parts to me. If you can reduce the mass of an object and then shoot it off with this laser, then it's interesting because then if the laser is powerful enough or we figure out a way to make it powerful enough to shoot off something larger, that would be a really cool way of um, propulsion. And so this is where my mind went with this. It's like you scale it down and then you shoot it back up. It's it's just very interesting now that we're looking into these alternate ways of propulsion. And I mean, even this is fascinating in the way that it's such a I'm going to even say compared to a lot of the things that we look at as fantastical as this concept is, it's still a real low tech kind of way to go about it. You know, as far as when we talk about zero point energy fields and all of this stuff, it's 
you know, the anti-gravity or the what the you know UAP seem to uh, display as far as their maneuverability capability, like those type of things are what we're really looking at. But I think that this laser technology could be a way of stair-stepping into these fantastical ideas, even though, again, from our perspective, it seems a bit low-tech, to be honest. So with that said, I see over here, um, thank you, by the way, for pointing out page 50, uh, figure 20, DARPA's High Energy Liquid Laser Area Defense System, uh, courtesy of P. Saunders at, uh, again, of course, Kirtland Air Force Base, New Mexico, of course, there's Kirtland again, but um, we see here, for wide range of uh, wavelength selection and wavelength tunability. To me, this immediately speaks to, again, the zero point energy uh, proposal or hypothesis or postulation, which is that you have, um, actually, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up the, the sketchboard at this point because yeah, we'll, break it out we need why, it. yeah this we need crucial that. for this stuff why, so why not at, at, at this point why not get the uh the sketchboard let's see here um sketchpad free let's hope that it loads it up but the point here essentially would be that ah fantastic okay there we go sweet you have a great internet connection that just happened yeah <laughs> can you see you see everything oh yeah perfect all right so we see here, for example, what we have are the, the proposal in zero point energy from back in the day is that you have here, uh, we're going to put PF, that's going to stand for particle fluctuations. And then what you have on the other end is the vacuum, the zero point energy vacuum. And so to me, this speaks to, again, the concept of oscillations and an oscillation, if we see right before we go back to this, an oscillation in physics, this is really cool, um, is defined as the process of repeating variations of any quantity or measure about its equilibrium value in time. It can be defined as a periodic variation of a matter between two values or about its central value. To me, this speaks to, again, but a matter between two values, zero point energy, the concept of collapsing the wave, the non-destructive self implosion, where again, the whole thing is, is gravity a particle or a wave? Well, it's both but neither at the same time, because I, I notice over here that the wide range of wavelength selection and wavelength tunability is tunable to its own specific uh, metric that is parallel to one another, meaning that essentially the particle fluctuations and the zero point energy states are, are able to be matched equally to each other, which is what also speaks to magnitude, because that is simply going out in all directions, sort of like a spinner, as Sir Roger Penrose has, has proposed, right? Where if something spins quickly enough, you get it to a rotational charge and state. And that's what also creates, again, the, the faster something spins, that creates vibration, which then creates waves, which seems to create, again, the harmonic oscillation. Now, maybe I'm making too many jumps here, but we find here that a wave is said to oscillate, which means to move back and forth in a regular repeating way. This fluctuation can be between extremes of position, force, or quantity, which to me speaks to, again, as well as a uh, you know, magnitude, but different um, types of waves have different types of oscillations. Longitudinal waves, oscillation is parallel to the direction of the wave. This speaks to me personally of, you know, uh, Mr. Dan Winter, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Tom Bearden's work. Again, oscillation is parallel to the direction of the wave. 
just like the particle fluctuations are equal to that of the vacuum that are sucking things in and out. So to those that say, okay, Dave, what do you mean? Well, a couple different things to everyone, you know, with philosophy and, and ancient, uh, you know, Mesopotamia and many ancient cultures, people say, okay, what's happening here? The serpent, I think this speaks to that of the serpent, because if we go back here, again, we have the wave going around the bar, but at the same time, and of course, that speaks to the DNA double helix, but the particle fluctuations are causing the particles to, to do their quantum dance, in, as, as others have called it, in, inside of our quote-unquote reality. But there comes a point where the particles cycle themselves into the vacuum. The vacuum sucks it up. Just like you, when you're vacuuming a, a carpet, for example, to clean it, the dust sucks into the vacuum. But just like when you're vacuuming a carpet, this time around, think about if your vacuum was sucking something in, but at the same time, on say on the right side of the 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 uh, the suction uh, uh, the suction filter, it's sucking in the dust. But then imagine on the left side of the vacuum, it's of the filter, it's pushing out clean aerosolized, you know, say uh, Febreze or something like this. That's the general idea of what's happening here. So the particle fluctuations go into the vacuum and then they, the vacuum spits out new particles that then fluctuate and dance. And then it's just a constant recycling. So again, we see with this visual sort of like a toroid field or precisely like one. Now, what's interesting, however, is that the snake, the serpent, the naga, whatever you want to call it. The reason I used green to draw this, these arrows here is because we can replace these arrows at the top with snake heads. Now, I, that speaks to the Ourobora and all of that, but now that's not for me to say if this is good nor bad. I think it just simply is, if that makes sense. Now, it's interesting because if we take it one step further, we'll find this, for example, too. The infinity symbol in ancient Egypt, if we do a quick outline, right? If we do an outline of this, we find... It's the exact same idea. Now, if we go even one step further than that, let's go back to the black here. What we'll find is that, again, you want to talk about oscillations. Imagine you, we have some rings in between the vacuum states. And what do you have right there? Oscillations in physics, right? So if we go to, let's say, Google Images, let's see what we find here. Ah, here we are again, the same idea. See how it spins and twirls, right? And then not only that, but see again, damped oscillations that speaks to the twirling here, the coil, the spring, but also this right over here as well, the damped simple harmonic motion. So again, we see, notice how the longitudinal waves compress because they seem to, to almost need to be tunable when fine tuned to that zero point state. So what you have is, for example, again, there's that pendulum, right? We have the, os the oscillators, and as they swing, there's different states in which they go to depending on that swing, which is what you could call, again, amplitude or angular frequency, but they're parallel to one another. Now, to those that say, okay, what, you know, how could this, this occur? How could this happen? So let's, let's do one quick example. If you take, uh, as Dan Winter had said as well too, and, and many others, if you take a, uh, a wire, right, and you put it to a car battery. This is just a friendly, uh, you know, refresh for those that didn't see the, the Dan and Dave episode from the other day. Um, the, what happens is that the, the wire will melt, but if you put the wire in the shape of a coil, and then you point that wire at somebody, they will start feeling sick, because I dare to postulate you've created a gravity wave. Now the question becomes, okay, Dave, 
how does this work exactly to a T? In my opinion, what needs to happen is, again, this, imagine we have these black rings represent the coil that, that we just, you know, put in, in, that, um, in that position and we pointed it at somebody. If we touched the wire to a car battery, put it into a coil, and then pointed it at somebody while placing it on a table, and it was pointed at a person while it was placed on, say, a, a, a wood, metal table, something like this, that person won't feel sick. Why? I think because we are the conductors, which speaks also to the missing, well, the alleged missing third strand of our, of our DNA, right? Because that also speaks to this concept of neutrinos. Neutrinos apparently are weightless. They don't carry any weight or anything like this because we need we through remote intent need to give it that that conductive induced state we give it power so the same way when you hold a coil and you hold it pointed at someone that you are creating the final icing on the cake if you will that shoots right through and that is that third completion state if you will in in my opinion so what we then see is that of course if we go to um let's see uh oscillation physics but let's go to see right over here it's the same idea same idea over here there's again a line down the center and then people start saying oh you know this goes into vectors and quantum physics and all of that i think this is nothing new per se and again we, we see here the same idea harmonics that that ripple effect but i think ultimately what's happening is we're seeing the same type of ripple effect wave and it needs to be in that of a, a cone, if you will. Why? Because I think what we're currently in is what's called n-dimensional vector states. And I'm so sorry to go off on a on a tangent here. Uh, no, this is great, Brandon. So let's 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 search very quickly n-dimensional vector space. Now watch this. This is what where it gets really interesting for me personally. Um, okay, this will probably be the best visual of how this works. Now, here's the thing. Again, we see, for example, with, with this image here, the cube too, but this speaks to me in a multitude of purposes with respect to the right angle vectors. It's been known that, and also this is Euclidean space too, you know, the 47th problem of Euclid, all of that, you know, uh, Freemasonry, uh, you know, Pythagorean theorem, uh, all, all of this. But I think what's happening, even as we see over here, it's, if we draw the outline with my show the outline with my mouse, it's still in a cone type fashion, the spiral type fashion, just like a tornado. It seems to have to do the implo uh, implosiveness at that zero point state, meaning that let's just type in on Google neutrinos. Now watch this. A neutrino, according to scientificamerican.com, you can't get any more sciencey mainstream than this, is a subatomic particle that is very similar to an electron, but has no electrical charge and a very small mass, which might even be zero. I think this is what we're looking for, zero, that concept of neutrality, as we see by the gold outline, the infinity symbol, that center point right over here, if you will, that center state in between all and everything and where it just is. There's no good, bad, left, right. We see here, because they have very little interaction with matter, however, they're incredibly difficult to detect. Dare I say, again, this was September 7th, 1999. Notice not that many updates on it and all of that, but also I think it's because they're much easier to detect if you give human biological intent through it and or to it or focus on it the same way that when you talk to plants, they tend to blossom more rapidly. They tend to be, when they when they do uh, blossom, they tend to be more healthier than the plants that you didn't speak to. So to me, this speaks to, again, this concept of that fluctuation. Now, now also take a look, by the way, we see here, look at some of the images. 
I think what we're seeing are basically 3D, 4D variations of this all around us. Now imagine this sphere here, just like the, um, the sketch that we just did, right? That same idea. There's a, there's a center circle right here in between the other two. And that's because duality needs to be geometrically, I think, uh, comprised in a set of relativity, meaning that you have you can't have one without the other. How do you know if you're having a good time at a party if, you, if you've never had a bad time? So I think that speaks to this here in that case, which is why, again, the, um, they, they need to, when I say they, the, academ the, the academia and military intelligence, industrial individuals that know of this, they need to suppress the information of the third strand because we are natural conductors which could also speak to, again, these Russian generals discussing, you know, fine tuning the, the, the energy contour of the brain and all of this, but there, there's much more, but I did want to give um, uh, Brandon a chance to, to jump in um, on anything else potentially on the, the nano satellites and all that. Uh, well, I'd like to uh, talk about Please. what you talked. So in sure. neutrinos, uh, if you don't mind hitting that back up, Scientific America uh, laid, laid this out and their definition of it, uh, you know, neutrino, neutral, uh, whenever I look at this, because we have very little interaction with the matter, however, uh, they're incredibly difficult to detect. You know what else is that? An unemotional observer. Uh, so if you think about an observer, the observer effect, you're neutral. You have no um, good or bad. You don't feel one way or another about it. You basically step out of duality, which you know um, denotes that we have a preference of hot or cold, dark or light. We have these things, which then if we're taking this down to frequency, which if you, as you look at it as frequency, then this would be where your intent is focused. This is the focal point on the cone. So it's just in a state of potentiality until you step out of observer mode and then now you have preference or now you have observation and an energetic resonance based on your paradigm, which is just your beliefs and idea and um, your beliefs and uh, experiences wrapped up into one. So now what you're doing is now you've taken it from the neutral or the observer and you've put it into action because this is an actionable state. There, it's no longer neutral. You now have a positive or a negative feeling about it. And so whenever I look at this and then if you don't mind, hop to your sketch, dude, because you, oh, sure. you there's so much to unpacking this now the other thing about the neutrinos that image uh, another thing that can be represented with that is the magnetic field of earth and so this is another interesting thing which earth is this dualistic plane you have this you know magnetic uh, magnetosphere that surrounds it and it mimics a lot like this again the duality the north south poles on a magnet things like this uh, also our planet so Whenever I look at this, man, uh, the way that you drew this out, it's it's scientific, but I'm looking at it through the lens of philosophy. So right. if you look at this with the um, particle and then the zero point between those two, it's basically states of options or potentialities. And you as the observer, once you go out of observer mode and put an intent behind it, this is when you start affecting things. This is when you change the pitch of the wave because it's just a vibrational frequency. And when you look at oscillators, when you look at all of these things, depending on what tone or vibration or frequency or focus, uh, you know, um, middle A on a keyboard has the intent of middle A. It's 440, I believe, something like that, uh, and 440 hertz. And so that has a specific oscillation or a specific experience. And when it comes to music and we talk about vibrations, well, 
a note A, you know, or uh, major and minor keys denote different things in you. They make you feel different. And so minor keys, you know, real sad, they kind of have this. And then major keys, they have this optimistic uplifting. So they physically change you when you experience these things and it puts you into a state. Now, it's also interesting about what you said about um, uh, the snakes is because when I think of a snake, uh, you know, and back to the uh, Caduceus, all of these things, then, you know, perhaps what we're looking at in the representation of a snake is two concepts wrapped up into one. So when you talk about things like Kundalini uh, awakenings and things, this is an energetic snake. It's represented as a snake being filtered up through your chakra systems. And then this is where you get that. But the top or the head of a snake, the beginning or the leading edge of that wave, because a snake can be represented as a wave, would be representative of the shape of a pine cone, which is also, you know, um, analogous to your pineal gland. And so whenever you combine those two elements represented in nature in a physical form of a snake, then you get the pineal gland, which is the focal point, you know, and it even is shaped like that, with the leading edge or the uh, trailing edge or the tail would be the wave, right? The wave that the snake uh, does, uh, utilizes to propagate itself through its reality. And so I'm looking at this from cone head to pineal gland to snake through the caduceus through the DNA. I mean, it's all wrapped up in double helix. This is a scientific way of expressing ancient philosophical concepts. And so I'm very grateful that you brought this up. It's it's fascinating, dude. Well, thank you. Let's if we go even one step further, for example, we see over here that um, okay. So now we covered how neutrinos, um, which might even be zero. Now let's if we go here. If it's true, it will mark the biggest discovery in physics in the past half century. Elusive, nearly massless subatomic particles called neutrinos appear to travel just faster than light. A team of physicists in Europe reports, according to Science.org. This is interesting because again, it speaks to the concept of how nothing in the physical, you know, physical objects like. Einstein said nothing can go faster than the speed of light. I don't think he was exactly wrong. Nothing in, of these of this um, 3D material world can, but we can, in my right. opinion, if we can harness the concept of neutrinos, right? And so what I think is, is that ultimately, when we take a look, for example, at, um, let's go back here to n dimensional vector spaces, what we'll find is that n dimensional vector spaces seem here to encompass hold on n-dimensional space visual let's go right back to that uh that picture there oh well uh one second i almost had it the different corner ones oh it's in my history what's wrong uh recently closed exploding zero point energy ah everyone could let's see here n-dimensional vector spaces Ah, whatever, it's okay, I'll, I'll get it. But the point is, is that ultimately what we see is that if we take that visual of the, hold on, I have to get it because I, I feel that, one second. What's, man, if, if you could, and, and to what you said about us physically traveling and that being sort of a barrier just due to the fact that we have mass and we um, have uh, sustenance, you know, if we could alleviate that or free ourselves from that in a way, um, this is perhaps what astral travel is. You know, it's, it seems to be that the only real barriers, number one, are imagination, to be honest with you, because uh, just even being limited by a physical idea can limit, you know, it puts a ceiling on what you feel that you're capable of. But people who astral travel, people who are contactees that say they've been floated through walls and stuff like that, it feels like they take your astral body. And, and in that sense, your light body 
there's no real physical restrictions. You could be you you're there in the speed of thought. Right. So this is one of the understandings I think that's so exciting about this is if we could transmute basically our physical body, which maybe, you know, this splits, of course, because in duality, you're going to want to, you know, um, uh, see how you can make this physically possible. And one answer for some people may be this transhuman agenda to where you basically just transcend your body. You give it away entirely and go into a physical thing. And now you're traveling through fiber optics. Your consciousness or a simulated biology is running amok in this way. But this may be another another thing to look at is all I'm saying, that maybe this is eventually where we're going is, is that, yes, if mentally we can wrap our minds around the fact that speed of light may be a barrier for us physically... Maybe it's not. Again, with this, with the uh, nano satellites, it's like if you could scale it down, figure it out, then you could scale it up and, and utilize it or affect it in, in this world and this in a way that we could do that. Right. I couldn't agree more. And thank you so much for jumping in while I had to pull this up. It turns out awesome. that for the record, if anyone wants this image, type in N dimensional vector spaces on DuckDuckGo. Don't do it on Google because that was the mistake I just made. So, <laughs> so um, we see here what's interesting is that. What we find is that, again, going back to the conversation with Dr. Hal Pudoff, Eric Weinstein, and Jesse Mitchells, Eric Weinstein said, well, have you considered the uh, Levi-Civita uh, connection of the metric effect? And essentially, that's, you know, uh, physics terms for Einstein postulated the term metric to, you know, uh, to uh, describe space and time. Now, what's interesting, however, is that n-dimensional vector spaces are only right angle. And what you have is that Dr. Pudoff, if I'm not mistaken, said what you have are no magnetic forces whatsoever, but strong right angle toroidal geometries. What I found in my own research leading up to today's recording as well is that there seems to be no left angle um, vector states. Now, the question then becomes why? To me, that, that speaks to, again, let's think about it like this. Think about each box over here in the space-time metric. Imagine one could look at this for the sake of, you know, two different hallways, you know, just like the movie Matrix, when it loads the code up, uh, you know, it's creating the room that we're in and all of that. And so this would be the foundational basis of it. So think, you know, you could be in a room, two different hallways, whatever you'd like to call it. But also we see here, right? If you follow my mouse down, there's that concept again of the triangle. And we see if one were to draw a line connecting the two in a little bit of a curve, there's the Freemason symbol as we know it. Now, again, it seems as though that there's no left angle vector states that could be geometrically proven, uh, produced, let alone proven in this space, which is why the Tribonacci sequence is probably more difficult to produce than it is to prove because there's missing the left angle. Now, why would it be missing the left angle? So in my opinion, we see here, each box represents, let's just say for the sake of our imagination, this right over here, not the entire thing. I'm going to undo a good chunk of this. Just this right here. Imagine what we see here is contained within each box. Now think of it in a 3D or 4D oscillatory sense with oscillations and all of that, what, or you know, coils or springs. What you would have is this going in all directions at a very low frequential state, which seems to be, again, corroborating the, you know, longitudinal waves using low frequencies, because they fluctuate in a way, I'm already on blue here, that is just enough where it is a wave and the wave is not collapsed. So that, it, because if the wave were to be collapsed, all it would take is intent and then we could go faster than the speed of light in anywhere we are. So say, for example, this represents 
the office that you work at during the day and these are just two hallways in that building if in my opinion the longitudinal electromagnetic waves were to be more tuned to its proportional zero point scale and they were to be straightened if that makes sense or collapsed as roger penrose says instead of being a little bit wavy like this all it would take is literally uh just to focus on one thing and we could leave our bodies we, we would be be able to have you know more telekinesis as we call it and label it but i think the fact that the wave is an extremely low frequency but is not a collapsed zero point frequency is the difference because if it were to be say for example you know uh perfectly straight let's just say instead of wavy you would literally using remote intention imagination meditation chi prana you name it every square within the space-time metric of what we call reality would inhabit the ability for that to be done. And the one could say, okay, Dave, how come it could only be done, say, for example, in one square and not another? That would speak to entropy then. That would speak to the entropic state of magnitude that is constantly proportional to the longitudinal waves within a particular vicinity, in my opinion. So what you would then have is literally think of like, um, Honestly, for those that have a difficult time envisioning this, let me give a very simple example. Think of slinkies inside of each box, just slinkies bouncing all over the place in each box, everywhere and nowhere, flashing in and out simultaneously. That would be the idea, in, in my opinion. Now, I could be wrong, but again, I think it speaks to that whole concept there of, of the different wa uh, waves and, and oscillations. And also, um, this speaks to, in my opinion, the unemotional or non-emotional observability throughout what we call life or reality because what is life or reality in a material sense say again this is you know your office building well okay right now in this life that i'm in i'm standing in the building and there's two hallways for example here right and if one were to focus meditate hone in those abilities in anywhere they were standing if those slinkies were creating straight waves which i don't know if they can without human intent or some type of organic biological intent from the zero point metric scale of the human soul or the chi or the prana if those snakes were able to do that those constant cosmological feedback waves you may be able to not only go faster than the speed of light but see outside of this metric or outside of this reality which is what i would dare to argue not for the sake of fear-mongering but even for the sake of uh, maybe us as individuals having to go through a personal transcendental experience is not are not ready for in that regard so in my opinion if everything were to be perfectly straight and lined up there would be the ability to see outside of the current light spectrum with our eyes because what's interesting is that photons enter the um, enter the eye but as if i'm not mistaken they do not uh, regurgitate the photons back out within that of the uv light spectrum why don't they again that speaks to right angles about right angle scalar states and there's no left angle because if they were to regurgitate the photons, what you would have is exactly what's going on within each metric. And that is the, the point of the maybe the, to the limiting or the deceit of that light spectrum. And then that would, again, th that's what people claim to see when they're on, you know, DMT or when they're meditating or doing uh, the Robert Monroe hemisync, all of this. And so I think what we're seeing there is, again, a type of deliberate um, chaos which is why in quantum physics, entropy is chaos or randomness within a vicinity. I don't think it is chaos. It's deliberately been put to be what to be viewed as chaotic by us. But again, 
harnessing that non-emotional state, the center point, as you've been saying, uh, Brandon, I think is exactly the the key because then harnessing that center point, you can then do whether on psychedelics or whether doing it, you know, uh, you know, naturally, uh, which many say is the preferred way of practice and all that. But you can do the zoom in and zoom out of the macro and the micro. So say we have the center here and we zoom in and out. What we would have, in my opinion, is say again, this would be another layer or level zooming in and out two different quote unquote realities, for example, and let me make this a little thinner. What you have again, a slinky, an oscillator, whatever you want to call it, and you can just keep going and going and going, if that makes sense. So um, yeah, you want to, it absolutely does. And it's again, you know, a two dimensional um, view of a toroidal field, it's, you know, a slinky, you turn it on top, there's, it looks like one thing, really a circle, if you just look at it edge on, but right. you turn it sideways, or you alter your perspective, uh, then this is where kinetic gets gets wrapped up into this. And so this is what's interesting about the waves too, because waves are necessary, you need time, as far as we, you know, experience this place for there to be change. And I was talking, we had a, a consciousness panel last night, we were talking about this, um, and Carlos uh, Tanner, the director of the Ayahuasca Foundation down in Iquitos, Peru, was talking about this. You need time uh, so that you can affect change. That's what's so cool about being human. That's what's so cool about this experience is that we get to hop into a place where time exists. And because there is a past, present, and future from our perspective, then there's an opportunity for growth. And this is the only way to grow, really. And so breaking these things down scientifically to see that change is necessary, but change is the only way to grow, but you need time to produce change because you need to start somewhere, have some experiences and end somewhere different, then this is what this is all about in my mind. And so whenever you again take these zero focal points and then not only is it stacked and layered as you descend, let's say, or ascend or move through these different levels of understanding at a particular oscillation, your oscillation affects the way reality presents itself to you. Now, this is, again, deep philosophical concepts. Now we're talking about manifestation. Now you're talking about creating your own reality, um, high vibe, low vibe, all that kind of stuff. All of these things are wrapped up into this concept. Now to the uh, infinity version of this, this is, again, a scientific way of explaining that we create our reality through the experience of time and change, and then it goes back into the system to feed back to us another uh, way or another opportunity to experience that. Oh, and so, please, no, 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 please, please finish, please. Oh, and I say also in reference to last night, uh, we had a neuroscientist, uh, Bob Davis, Dr. Bob Davis on, he wrote a great book called uh, Unseen Forces. And what he was talking about is from a neurological perspective, if you take the human brain, the physical gray matter that's stuck inside your, your head right now, and you tilt it just forward and you look at it edge on and tilt it, that exactly mimics uh, a spiral toroidal and you can actually affect it with waves like you were talking about earlier. The waves go at it and oscillate in a certain way that your body perceives it differently. And so, but again, depending on the wave, all of this is very situational. And so with the differentiation in these different waves, this could also be like how you look at it, what your perspective is. Are you, you know, a boundless opt, you know, a chronic optimist like me? Well, my wave's always pretty high. I'm oscillating because that's how I choose that's what I choose my wave to be. And so therefore my reality spits back into me more reasons to stay on that vibration or even enhance it. This also occurs with people who are in real low states or low vibrational states. Your oscillation will 
run through this place over a period of time as you experience it. And due to that change, due to your vibration, it spits back out at you in your reality, other things to not keep you, but to offer you the same experience that you've been choosing, because that's what your focal point is. You choose to see life as, as obstacles rather than opportunities. And again, this is how perhaps this way is created. And so these scientific concepts, in my mind, again, uh, lend itself to a lot of really interesting philosophical concepts that the ancients have been talking about uh, and that we talk about in things like spirituality, manifestation, and even down to neuroscience. But all of it has to do with these oscillation frequencies and your perception of your reality and how it spits back at you. I think it's just exciting that there are now papers written on this stuff that kind of, you know, articulate this in a way that's not so ancient and woo-woo. And now it's really kind of focusing in on these concepts. And then one more thing, um, down to the, um, the right angles. Now, what's interesting about this as well as like what you said that kind of backs up what I mean about that things come back at your reality. If you stand on a lake and there's a bunch of lights across the other side of the lake, if you are standing there, all of the points of light focus on you. So you receive all of those lines, like those waves across the water, why a lake is important is because you can see them coming to you. And what do they look like on a wavy surface? They look like snakes or like oscillating patterns, but they all come to your line of sight. So if you've got somebody 15 feet away from you or 50 feet away from you, they experience the same damn thing that it all goes to them. So what's up with this? Why does everything collapse to the observer? This is just another thing I wanted to point out, especially with your grid work. And this may explain why there's no left angles. It's because you as the observer, things collapse into you. I, I really, I'm just writing that down, collapsing into the observer. That's, man, that's amazing because I never thought of that. And to your point, thank you for jumping in because that speaks to me as well as if we go back over here, to your essentially so I got a few things to address here but the concept of time again one cannot know where one is or you know the um the rate of vibration unless there's something else to compare it to so in other words what you're saying is that unless in the center uh, let's just say metaphorically the snake that wraps around it needs the snake needs time to wrap around and th this, yes, right. and then this also could be like the ancients, how they say the, the snake's eating its own tail, you know, to where it's constantly eating itself. There's a symbolism of a snake eating its own tail. And so this idea of infinity is represented in that way. So the snake eats its own tail for sustenance and it fuels the snake, but really it's destroying the snake at the same time. So in my mind, again, this is rewriting the old as you're, you know, uh, I guess, chopping up bits of yourself to collapse back in on yourself to spit back out your observable reality, how you choose it. Now you could go real deep with this and say that actually us even discussing this is creating new realities because now right. we're vibrating on new frequencies and with enough of us, which you don't need by the way, because you're pretty much it. You know, one of the ideas is, is you're it. So you don't, you just need to come to the understanding and then your reality will reflect it, it, itself back to you in this way. And so this is very interesting to me. And again, just like the grid layout, but we need time because that's what, that's how Hertz is measured. You know, that's how waveforms are measured. It cycles per second. So there's an element of time in there that's necessary to determine the vibrational frequency. So therefore you would need time in your experience to know how you feel about things. Right. Okay. So now this is what's interesting too, to add to that as well. So you need one would need time in order for that to occur 
which speaks to Nicholas Jason's thick time, because again, we presume in mathematics that things just, you know, all numbers are existing at once. But when in reality, if one, and this speaks to that, that cross, that deliberate, I think, positive conflation between philosophy and physics and or mathematics, you need time to think about the numbers that are being um, laid out. And mathematicians and physicists have always presumed, uh, not to say this is an origination of, of myself, but have always presumed that all numbers exist simultaneously. I think that is by definition something that was not intrinsically thought of, which speaks to the, I think, therefore I am, but rather it's I am, therefore I think. So if you exist in the center, I am, therefore I think, you would need time to wrap around it. You would need time to... Yes. right experience yeah. exactly but you can only experience through time because it takes you time to have an experience you can't you know because other than that it's just knowing like you know what hot is but you need the time it takes for you to touch something hot for that signal to be sent to your brain and that there's a duration involved that's very necessary for this experience and for you to kind of come up with and create the version of you that you want or the reality that you want now this scales up really far but what what I mean on this is that time is a very necessary component in this, which is why we're able to articulate it in this way. It's very necessary. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to talk about it. Right. Okay. So now I appreciate you saying that because let's take now the same example. I'm just going to draw it a little smaller. So we have here again, the particle fluctuations. And this speaks to what you were saying about scalability and like a slinky or an oscillator or any or all of that. Um, and we have here again the zero point fluctuation. Now we have the snake wrapping, uh, cycling the, the, the particles or wrapping around. Now, again, depending on which time in ancient human history or even recent human history you want to discuss, I mean, it, snake particles, you know, it, magic fluctuation of waves. Again, that's more, that's for a different uh, later, later time. But we see here going back to the right angle grids to your point of how everything comes back to the observer within that vector state. And we talk about how, for example, say there's a slinky or a bunch of slinkies within each cube of the metric here on the grid. Now let's take that one step further. So to those that say, okay, you know, Dave, how could we envision this occurring within our day-to-day -day lives? Well, I would say this, for example, what we have is, let me just draw the, um, the infinity. And then, so this is occurring and we essentially have, let me see here, let me get purple. It is occurring within a state of entropy, as we've been told publicly, is randomness, right? And this is happening within a particular state. And this circle or this state of entropy is occurring within the grid. Oops, excuse me. Oh, I guess I didn't click my mistake. It's occurring within the grid. I'm going to make this a little thicker, actually, of the space-time metric. So this would, again, be representative. Why is it doing that? That's strange. Okay. Well, I'm going to go like this. And there we go. So this would be just like those grids. And so you would have this occurring everywhere. In different, in different shapes and circles and all of that. But again, this, this black grid here would represent what's going on within here. And to take it one step further, 
if we talk about people seeing in higher altitudes cubes within spheres in craft there's your uh, sorry spheres within cubes excuse me there's your sphere your circle within a cube so what what i think is happening is it's sort of like when entering a video game you can't as i said on the recent public episode you can't have a call of duty uh, put a call of duty character inside of gta the code's not going to work instead of grand theft auto you need to adapt the code to the states in which the individuals that you're you're going to interact with are only observing within so then what happens is you have these right angle vector states that we perceive even with observable scientific tools as we call it in the physical as spheres within cubes and then there's also again I also believe too there are in some cases cubes within spheres as well but I think it's I could be mistaken but I do believe it's more so spheres within cubes and that would make sense because it would be a, a 4d representation of the uh, Levi Civita metric in physics and so and for those that don't know what that is the let me just pull up here very quickly the Levi Civita uh, metric is the Levi Civita connection in Riemannian or pseudo pseudo Riemannian geometry. It is a also called semi-Riemannian manifold. It's a different differentia, differentiable manifold with a metric tensor that is everywhere non-degenerate. Now, everywhere non-degenerate that speaks to that zero point within the fluctuation of the tunability of the waves. So you have again zero point or the Planck scale everywhere, all over space and time, no matter where you go, where you observe, you name it, regardless of the dual slit experiment because it, it seems to be plank the plank skill seems to be irrespective of the observability of an individual or even a collective for that matter so i think what you have here also if we see here um is a differentiable manifold with a metric tensor again metric tensor as alexei novitsky uh, the astrophysicist has said it's it may not be space that's expanding and contracting but our perception which speaks to again when you hug someone you eventually have to let them go because you're going to squeeze them to death literally and so you got it's that that compression so that tensor which james max james c maxwell called quarks seems to be that concept of fluctuation over and over and over again and i think that concept of that fluctuation speaks to in a 4d sense the tuning of the fork right yeah. so tune it so um let's see here um now watch watch this the tuning uh, fork in physics, and I'll get right back to the Levi Civita because it, it directly correlates. So here we go the tuning fork, because it's like now, I, dare, dare I say again, that speaks to the center as well, too. The tuning fork is vibrating at a mediative state. And so that's why, if this was used in ancient history to say, you know, cut through stone or whatever, the reason for the precision was not because they had machines so well that could do it. It was because they knew how to avoid the denser metric within the reality we live in, so that the vibratory rate in and of itself was so perfectly spun relative to the concept of spinners. You were able to just cut right through that rock, you know, like night going, like the craft going transmedium craft. Are they really going through that rock or that building as we see it, or are they just vibrating at a denser metric state that is not, again, tangible or perceivable based on the context of that entropy within the space-time metric? And to that point, if we go to the Levi-Civita connection, we see here, um, 
The Levi Chavita connection is the unique, affine connection on the tangent bun bundle of a manifold that preserves the pseudo Riemannian metric. Again, pseudo, they got to throw that in there. Um, yeah, and is torsion free. Okay, this is what's interesting. In differential geometry, the notion of torsion is a manner of characterizing a twist or screw of, moving, of a moving frame around a curve. The torsion of a curve as it appears in the frenet serret formulas, for instance, quantifies the twist of a curve about its tangent vector as the curve evolves. So essentially meaning that, as I understand it, the twist of a curve as the curve evolves based on, as you said, you need time to experience the developments philosophically, just like the fork needs time to tune and vibrate whatever it may or may not be cutting through, if it were to say cut through stone, for example. So again, to me that, that that's my um, that, that's my little two cents there, but yeah, absolutely love it. Um, and another thing to the tuning forks that's very interesting, man, is that because uh, I want to scale this up now. Uh, what we've been talking about here in my mind again is it per, is your observer. So you as the observer, we've been talking about you, the listener, this whole time, or you, the viewer. Now, uh, when you look at your uh, box that you made with um, the pattern oh. with the uh, waves and then the zero point with the oscillation with the snake in the grid. Yeah, if you don't mind, because this is so brilliant what you're doing. Okay, so again to this, man, this is a micro version. Uh, how I'm looking at this um, is this is a micro version of a macro scale. So if you take now you as the single observer and say, yes, this is how my reality reflects itself, because the, the uh, particle could just be subst substituted for potential. So whenever you talk about potentiality, now you're talking about the observer's choice to choose what it's observing and then spitting back into itself. Now you need, go ahead. Sorry, dude, you just gave me a fantastic idea to your point Please. of the view. Look at this. If we're using the metric, then if we're using this metric as the, as the state of observability, let's go, um, uh, let me go use, uh, yeah, I'll use purple real quick. You remember how you said earlier, only things can be viewed at right angles. Okay. Look at this now, regardless of where the observer is standing, say you got somebody standing here. It's a right angle. Yep. They're viewing, they have, they have no choice but to view it as a right angle. So say person standing here and for the audience, they could be standing in any other corner. It doesn't even need to be a corner. It could be anywhere along the line because look at the, the grid that, that came with this. That's why I went to this blue grid and it just scales down. So what you have are more corners within that line of the corner you think that you're heading to, which is a transition state from one node to another. Oh, and then- And it's also fractal. Right. Yes. And, and let me just give one. So sorry to cut you off, man. No, please. Um, this is perfect. And what we have here is say this is the person's observability center right from here. Again, this is a right angle. Yep. They're observing it right from here. And let's go one step further. Let's let's take. Um, yeah, let's go with uh, yellow here for the sake of it. And let's. Oh, my gosh, like a wave, like a frequency wave again. See how this cuts over? Now, for those that don't see it, actually, one second, I'm gonna have to do this. I'm not really gonna have a, a I, I wanna make sure that everybody could see this. I'm gonna use orange. I'm just gonna draw over it. That's the Freemason symbol. Yep. That's the Freemason right over there. That's the measurement of the right angle based on 
Wow. Okay. Sorry to cut you off, man. No, no, no. This is perfect because it brings to you. You've nailed it again. We're we're in each other's minds here. We're we're on it. Same brain. Uh, because now it's it is, and this is the uh, square and compass is kind of a visual representation of our environment. Like you've got a certain parameter in which you can visually, let's say, see, in which your eyes can see, right? And this is kind of the limit that we that we have in our observable reality to determine where we are, how we feel about it, and all of that good stuff to create more of it. Now, what's also interesting about this, the right angle element of this is reflective in us. If you think about the way our vision works, we see things at right angle in a field in which our vanishing point then has a vanishing point, and it seems to arc in this way. Now, if you think about this, uh, you could even go to uh, prey animals, which have their eyes on the side of their head, and they would see in a much more panoramic vision. But us, as the people who are able to determine this, um, we see in a in right angles with just what we're able to pull into our faces. Behind me, I don't know what's going on. So there could be no reality there. I mean, the camera is telling me that I have a background, and I know I put some books on that shelf, but my experience of it is this right angles, everything's coming to me, my perspective, shadows, all of this stuff plays into this. Now, I'm sorry, I'm viewing you from a right angle, your yeah. your background. Yeah. It's... And right, so the room, yeah. I mean, and no matter where you look, because of vanishing points, because of how this place works, it does appear to be that way. And this is why, like, when you look at a hall, the vanishing point isn't limited to um, this direction. It's also this direction. So if you think about it, a horizon line, the sky and the ground meet, and then at right angles come around you. So really, it's more of a cone. So really, it's a focal point for your vision, which is also represented again in the pineal, again in all of these other things. Oh. So when you look at this, what I'm seeing with this and how I just uh, – what I wanted to say about this would be that this is an individuated perspective of consciousness in this grid. And really what you could look at that as is our environment. So this is what's available to us to determine what we're looking at to observe and then create the reality if you follow that model. But – now you're talking about if other people are real, uh, that there's other elements to this, other people's vibrations, other people's um, you know, experiences, other people's vanishing points. You're, there's an interaction between you and other, air quotes, observers, right? Uh, and so this kind of also determines your oscillation or frequency. This is how like attracts like. This is what mirrors back to you similar experiences. So the grid in which you operate will reflect back to you the frequency over time uh, that you are putting out. And so this is what's really interesting about this is this, and again, it's scalable. You know, maybe there's, what people are seeing is these UAPs or whatever with this square within, uh, uh, sphere within a square, then maybe this is just, again, a visual representation of some reality out there that's floating around and that it's all contained within that. And so again, this is fractal, it's scalable. But this all has to do with your observer potentiality, you oscillating at a certain frequency, it's spitting into the zero point field and then coming back at you. This is, I think, one of the best scientific explanations for manifestation and how like attracts like and that model work. And Very even from an, an observer's perspective, you see how we have the purple stick man here, and these are both right angles, regardless of you know wh which way he's looking, which speaks to the oscillatory harmonics of it, which also speaks to right smack center we are the conductor because we're emitting those observable states that create the metric you've got it you are 
and it's just like a grid. It's potentiality. Now, it's also back interesting back to the uh, tuning forks that you talked about because if you strike a tuning fork next to one that you didn't strike, it'll vibrate as well. So one causes an effect on the other, but it's all due to harmonic resonance. It's all frequency. Now, another thing to that, and you tied uh, sound into ancients as far as cutting, but also uh, there's the thought that um, Tibetan monks used to do this, that they could levitate um, dense objects that physically you can't pick up. But you can levitate things with, uh, I've seen people do it with didgeridoo. So you can take like a rock and take a didgeridoo and put the didgeridoo over the rock and do the um, cyclical breathing. And it'll actually vibrate. It'll suck up into the thing and kind of bounce around and vibrate. Now, if you can imagine being able to control that or having a way to where it's much more predictable um, and that you could say, okay, well, I know this frequency um, creates a cutting through the rock, but I know this frequency will lift this heavy-ass rock. Now, if we take our two frequencies, meaning now you're co-collectively creating with another observer, and there's different frequencies, but they work in resonant harmony with one another, like chords on a piano or chords on a guitar, you know, a, a first and a fifth sound great together. That There's a reason for that. It, they, you know, it enhances the quality of your experience. Also, you know, back to just a quick reference would be Edley Scallion with the uh, Coral Castle. He said that he understood the secrets of the how they built the pyramids. And he did this basically with a small black box with a couple of handheld cones, and then that's it. And he was able to lift these tons of blocks, and it wasn't coral, it was uh, limestone, but either way. Uh, can I, sorry, can I, just so I'm not incorrect here, brother, did, did he claim he needed to go to Florida to, to do this? Because that seems to be where one of the ley lines are that intersect with many other things. You know, honestly, his motivation that they talk about or that I've heard was uh, he moved there um, because from Latvia, he had his um, younger, um, I guess, bride-to-be, and he moved there to establish this. Now, in my mind, Latvia, you know, think about, like, if you're moving from a super cold place to a new place, you'd probably want to move somewhere warm. I don't right. know necessarily, but he was drawn to Florida. Now, that could go real deep. Like, he was drawn to that place based on the energetic frequencies there, maybe he just wanted some sun because he's from Latvia, cold, you know. Uh, it could be reduced like that, but you could also just say that his, then therefore maybe he was always destined to be in Florida, and so therefore life plunked him down in Latvia ahead of time so that he would be motivated to move somewhere warmer just so happened to be in this area. But one of the things that he talked about in this is he understood, and he says this in his diary, he understood how the pyramids built because he built this entirely by himself. Uh, he wouldn't let anyone watch his work. He, there, he left a workshop behind with a bunch of confusing tools. The um, hoist that he was using could not lift the weight. These pine poles, these basically telephone oh poles God. that he was Bro using on this tripod. Brother, look, look, that's, that's the coil with the, the right yep. down the center. Yep. So this is a, again, low-tech uh, way of doing this, but it's one of the most advanced technologies because he was able to cut and lift all of these stones by himself, allegedly, um, saying what he said was a sound technology and that that's how he thought uh he figured out that he knew uh, how the egyptians built the pyramids again back to this kind of you just turn gravity off is what they say but really i think there's something deeper going on there with the right. uh, frequencies with the because you're matching the resonant resonant frequency of the block and then you're basically just switching it off you're basically just turning gravity off to the point where it's, it doesn't affect it right this is now, one of the greatest things that's been hidden from us by the way i think that this is very important right now look at this the right angle there again and we have here this a symbol smack center of mm -hmm. of the of this particular slab here again speaking to what we were talking about on the sketch pad 
smack center or over here smack center same idea now here's what's interesting to me as well too if we take a look for example at the um let's see um right over here right angle vector states now this if we go one step further let's take a right angle vector state and literally um actually hold on what am i doing we have a we have a freaking sketch pad um yeah let's go uh yeah let's 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 do this right over here so let's take a right um let's take a right angle again as we were saying now just you're going to draw very quickly right angle and then wow okay so now what we have is the framework for our observable reality based right on you, the observer right and not that's what the, perhaps that's what the big g was in in freemasonry right architect now, is you ah you are the great right now hold on a second let's take this one step further let's Wait. go uh let's go let's do this fractal field dot com let's go uh hold on a second the pine cones touching right over here and let's keep this image in mind for everybody that's watching this visually and <clears throat> let's head back here the pine cones are touching now look what we have here when we make them into triangles they're touching pine cones not only that but that speaks to again we can draw the infinity symbol but even more so again you can talk about the synthetic merkaba you know as they say there's the organic and the synthetic of the, the triangles overlapping but let's go even further there's the cube there's your cube right there and there's your whole again ezekiel's wheel if one were to again put a, a let's go um let's do this for example this speaks to squaring the circle as i think yes. graham you read Hancock. my mind you read my mind it's yeah, squaring the circle yes yes squaring the circle right and then right see so read there we my go mind, dude. Yep. There, there's your there's our um now if the hold on a second let me do this wait 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 wait, wait. yeah sorry you were going to say it, but Graham Hancock uh, brings this up as it's one of the most challenging things mathematically to do and that we, you know, as our, our understanding can't really do it, but they were doing the hell out of this thing back in the ancient times. And there, this is found all over the place. Um, but it's very, very interesting because it's so challenging. Like the, the skill it takes to do this uh, precisely is mind blowing. And so there is a huge understanding in exactly what you're talking about here. Right. So now there's the each, now, this is not perfect because going by hand, but each vortice touches a point or a, a part of the circle and the circumference between. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. You see what and I'm thinking about it. If you're standing in the middle and you're 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 the observer standing in the middle and you're out at any one of those points, you're going to see a similar, let's say, environment. You're going to see a similar place in which to create. Oh, and, my God. Yep. Yeah, yeah you got it. Well, sorry, keep going as I'll no, just that's the zero point. That's that's what it's all about is that there's this field of potentiality that you as the observer will mimic back to you. And this is this could be a visual representation of the structure of this very idea. Right. So even what... from the outside, yes, looking in now in the middle, looking out, 
same thing. So now the question becomes, let's say that you drew a little guy in the middle as well. And here? that is, yes. And that is your ultimate observer. This is you. This is the grand architect. This is higher consciousness, whatever. Uh, and now as you look out at, let's say, other people or other observers, they're also looking back in. And you could draw this around any one of those observers on a particular point. So really, if you take like the flower of life or anything like that, and you pop an observer into these meeting points, this is now how our reality is co-collectively created together. Holy crap. That would explain how our subconscious props up the, the, this right over here, uh, excuse me, the, oh my gosh, which is why, like when you're walking by someone in a hallway, say that again, this is a building for uh, of yours at work. It's the same thing. Yep. This guy walks by this guy. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? Everyone's saying hello. They're all interacting. But there's that right angle state of view of view that's created. Not to mention the Doppler effect, uh, the audible alteration of a single tone frequency as it moves by you in time. Oh my gosh. So the, the Doppler effect. Yep. This is how like a siren will go. But it's the same tone but it go it sounds different and the propagation of this wave in the in the in a way of the doppler effect denotes that depending on where you are or you as the observer you're going to receive that information that data input in this case audibly differently depending on where you are in your vibrational state and how the vibration comes to you it's push and pull it's yeah. Right. What's interesting is it's push and pull at a, at a single frequency, but the fact that it's in motion or kinetic, again, this speaks to relativity. You know, it's all relative, right? And, and just the same as time. How you experience time is relative to your vibration. This can be easily broken down into think about when you're at work or your job, you know, it's a very low vibe. You're ugh, and it takes forever and time just drags. Now, when you're in a high vibe state or you're happy or you're on a roller coaster, or you're doing something you love, time flies. It's the same metric of time that how we measure it, it didn't change. Your perception of it is what changed. And this is what speaks to everything. You could swear that it just been five minutes, but it's an hour. But at work, you could have sworn it had been an hour, but it only been five minutes, you know? So it's back to, again, your experience alters physical things in this way or the way that you perceive and experience physical things in this way. So to add to what you're saying before we, we wrap this up, essentially yeah. the, the idea would be that if somebody here is let's say I'm going to use uh, orange again. If someone uh, from one of these vortices is creating a, ah, I see. So what's happening is the, if this, so, okay. So think about it like this. What also mimics this sonar bats. You think about sending out a signal and receiving some information back to determine your location or to determine that, objects around you. That could explain why when Dr. Pudoff said they brought some of their best remote viewers down to the bottom of the ocean, they said, oh, it's real quiet down here because there's no other, uh, dare I say, in that particular case, human, which they've been tasked to observe near them in the physical within, and we say physical representing this, there was no right angle closeness that was able for, uh, for them as a, as a radio to interpret or receive. Yeah. Like, and what's like also signal. very interesting is the medium. Yeah. They may have said it's quiet, but we all know that water holds a lot of conductive power as far as emotions, as far as it, it sends things out like crazy. And so uh, the uh, Nakamoto studies, I mean, we know it's altered by observation. And so water is a huge conductor for energy. 
basically. Right, which is why the rip got you. Because again, if say, let's call this guy here in the middle, Bob, and this guy here, Larry, if Bob walked, the closer he gets to Larry, the more of these waves he's able to perceive because he's approaching in time. It takes yeah. him time to approach that calculative source that he's perceiving. And those are the photons going into his eyes that then right 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 okay which then register as an experience which is determines distance you know it determines um threat which only intent right which only fits in a right angle which speaks to a limited spectrum potentially this, right this is where yes and this is where it gets absolutely nuts because let's say that in your reality and you're in this in this vision what's going on outside of it or what's going on even in the frequencies that we don't have access to based on our faculties so the five senses and let's just reduce it down to there there's there's a lot more going on than just that but let's just say that touch smell tasty in here uh, those things uh, are limited. You know, they're governed. We only get as human beings, I think our hearing starts at 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz, and that's it. Now, that can degrade over time, but we know that there are sounds and frequencies outside of there. You got ELF, you got dog whistles, you have things that can be perceived and measured in a way that your human body can't. Then also, you've got this with um, light, light spectrums. We only get a, you know, a, a certain range, but what if there's a, all kinds of experiences and things happening outside of that? I mean, we may or may not be able to simulate access to that, but it seems like you're started, you know, your starting point, your first level of the game, you're given a sword. Eventually you get this super cool gun, but you have to deal with the sword first. You have to make it through the level with the sword or this, the sword being a representation of this just understanding for our experience. And therefore you level up after that because the next level or your next observable reality that you find yourself in now, having had this new experience or vibrating in a new frequency, this is what we're talking about when we talk about ascension and all of that. It's just changing of frequencies. So back to the model, if, if our potentiality is spit into a zero point form and then sped back to us, we eventually will level up, again, air quotes, I know I'm using this terminology, but you will level up to a point to where now your reality spits itself back to you in a new way. And now you have new skills to perceive things and new understandings to achieve. That, okay, and environment. put the icing on the cake on that. Let's take a look here at this particular paper, um, this is rossenergysystems.com, electro by Colin A. Ross, MD, electrophysiological properties of human ocular extramission. The, we see here, again, we have Q, EEG equipment and all of this, but the waveform of ocular extramission is physiologically active compared to the reading from a control electrode suspended in space in front of the goggles. Okay, it is similar to the waveform of frontal leads in overall structure and in the appearance of eye blink Oh my gosh, this is like when uh, we talked about a couple months back, blinking refreshes the simulation. Dude, I I was about to say it. This is like a built-in way to refresh a simulation is yes, by blinking so when you, because you only know what's going on if you're observing it. So right. So away any faculty to observe, even a visual one. The simulation can have the hum of your AC go on every time you blink and that doesn't need to be rendered or refreshed. But what does is the visual, the graphics card. Let's the graph, say. right. Right. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Okay. So it would be photon basically. Which again, to light codes. And so there's this idea that the sun gives you light codes, right? Or there's upgrades in DNA based on photons. And so, or a, sorry, a photonic refresh. By your eye. Yes. A photonic a refresh. Awesome name for a band.
<laughs> I was gonna nice yeah we, and to put the uh, to put the icing on the cake here we see here that it has been accepted in western science at least since John Locke published his essay concerning human understanding in in 1690 that human visual perception is a passive process photons enter the eye but no energy of any kind is sent out through the eye this is interesting because again if we're living in a in a metric where the snake is constantly eating itself so to speak or cycling itself we can't observe that i think we would need to have photons re-emit that in order to observe that but that would sort of kind of give up the 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 code of the game if you will we see here but no energy of any kind is sent through uh, out through the eye and in a series of papers weiner and colleagues differentiate two theories of vision intromission which is endorsed by western science and extramission which is rejected by western science this is interesting right Right, right. We see here Maloney, Schrodinger, and Tolman agree with Weiner that no energy beam of any kind emerges from the eyes. Tolman states that if we prefer, we can think of the phenomenon of sight as the Greeks did, regarding the eye not as a kind of sensitive plate, but as the source of antenna, antennae or tentacles which stretch out and seize on the properties of the object it surveys. Right, but I think the reason for no feedback in return is because that would give that would create more of an observable state around above or more um entropically scaled to the right angle vectors and which, think about it this way I, yeah. I love this and you're absolutely right now think about it this way you can you can uh think about this and how we consume energy here okay uh so let's say that this model means that whenever you take things into your eye nothing comes back out of your eye this is absolutely accurate but if you think of it as a chemical change just to really narrow it down when you eat something things don't come out of your mouth again in in, in usual right if you throw it up whatever but what that does do is it turns into energy and it turns into fuel. So perhaps you as the observer, things that come into your eye as far as what you're observing come out as fuel in the experience that you experience, which then just, it's this toroidal, it's this constant snake eating its tail. It's this feedback loop of you observing reality and then creating reality simultaneously. This also though needs time, which, you know, again, and there's, you could, you could talk about like why um, there's this, uh, what do they call it? It's not a gap, it's a delay, an echo. That's exactly what Bashar calls echo. it as an echo. That there's a moment, or there's a series of moments which just equal time, a duration, in when you decide or observe something and to when it manifests in your reality. So there seems to be kind of like a limit or like a, again, it's, it's governed in a way to really make sure that, number one, uh, what you're thinking, because who's done the... You know, think about the term hindsight, right? Hindsight is 2020, but when you react to something immediately and it's not necessarily accurate or reflective of how you would have handled it, having just been the observer and just detached from it emotionally, which is part of our experience here as emotional or spirit beings having an emotional experience, then this all plays in, man, and because it is a feedback loop, but not in a physical, tangible in and out. It's, it's an in but it represents or manifests in a different way, but it's, a, it's the same process. It's the same process, almost as if what's coming in is interpreted in one way and what's being released relative to perception is more limited in that echo. Yeah, absolutely. Right. 
Got you. Well, without further ado, brother, I know that actually both of us have to get going. And I think that this is enough to sort of keep it here again uh, for the record, just so everybody knows we didn't even, um, uh, yeah, I was about to say, we didn't even get to the big stuff. No, this because it's just off of, we'll do it next time. Just off of one thing. Yeah, this is fantastic. And I think we can also add to, the, to this even more in many more ways. So uh, please tell everyone on my end where and how you can be found. And uh, yeah. ExpandingRealityPodcast.com, guys, check it out. Thank you, Dave. Where can you be found, brother? Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, Patreon.com slash Generation Z for more episodes like this. Um, Generation Z, Z-E-D on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, and of course, uh, at Podcast Z on Twitter and Generation uh, Z Podcast, no caps, no spaces on Instagram. So thank you so very much, everybody. And we'll catch you next week for the next episode in this amazing series. Cheers.